Welcome, everyone, to Kids A to Z with Dr. T. I'm your host, Teresa Signorelli, and we are bringing you information about the five areas of child development. And by that, we mean physical, intellectual, social, emotional, emotional, and moral, so parents can empower their children to thrive. And today, we have a Brains in Toyland segment, and we are calling it Talking to Young Children About Divorce. And our guest will be Dr. Samantha Rodman, who goes by Dr. Spike Mom. And she is a clinical psychologist and dating coach. And um, well, she originally hailed from Brooklyn, but is now living in Maryland, uh, Tacoma Park, Maryland, with her family. And she's a graduate um, of University of Maryland uh, at College Park. And she has a book coming out in, um, let's see, it's coming out this August, and it's called How to Talk to Your Kids About Divorce. And that will be published by Adams Media. Um, and actually, we're waiting for her to call in. So what I'm going to do is um, jump over to her um, website. She's got a blog that goes by Dr. Psych Mom. And she does a bunch of things on there um, in terms of providing information to families about children, about couples, counseling, men, and parenting, psychology in general. So you might want to check out her uh, her website, and that's C-R-P-S-Y-C-H-M-O-M.com. That's Dr. Psych Mom. And let's see. I'm going to, while we're waiting for her to call in, I'm also going to go through an article I found on WebMD. And it's about um, the top five mistakes that divorced parents make. And this is written by Lauren Page Kennedy. And, um, and what uh, WebMD did, if you're familiar with the website, um, they provide lots of health and medical information to to families. And in this case, WebMD, to an expert who, um, let's see, uh, Gary Newman, let's see, WebMD spoke with family and divorce expert M. Gary Newman to give exes pointers about how um, the split up can emotionally impact their children. And as I said, there are there are five mistakes that parents tend to make. Oh, you know what? Before we do that, I see that Samantha has called in. Let me let me bring her in for a second. And so, just um, Samantha, if you can hold on, I'm just gonna I'm gonna name the top five mistakes they talk about in this article on WebMD. Sure. And one is um, one is not making your child the messenger. One is not making your child a therapist for you. One is let's see. Um, well, they say try to get your kid, and I don't think that's the mistake. What they're saying he- here is that you should try to understand your child or let your child feel that they're understood. Um, they say to avoid grilling them and giving them a third degree with questions. And then remembering that you can also repair damage, so to speak, that you might have done by apologizing and saying you're sorry to them and explaining to them what it is that you've done wrong. So just as that reference, that's on WebMD. If listeners want to go to it, that's WebMD.com, and it's the top five mistakes divorced parents make, and maybe Samantha and I can go into that a little bit too if we wanted. So um, welcome, Dr. Psych Mom, Samantha Rodman. (laughs) How are you doing? Thank you. Good. How are you? I am good. I am good. So as I had mentioned today, we're going to talk to our audience about how they can talk to their children about divorce. And we always like to begin our shows by asking our experts um, to tell parents what they wish um, parents knew about the show's topic, speaking to young children about divorce. So what can, what, what can you say about that? 
Well, I work with a lot of adult clients whose parents got divorced, and it seems like the number one issue that they have when they're looking back is that they feel that they were not kept in the loop and that their needs and their um, priorities were just not acknowledged at all during the course of the divorce process. So they felt like parents didn't tell them exactly what was going on. They didn't understand that the children had a need to know what was happening in their life, what the changes would be, and that parents didn't make enough of an effort to keep the children's routines and um, friends and activities kind of stable so that the children would have something to um, to look forward to even if home life was chaotic. Right, right. So, and I'm sure we'll we'll get into that a little bit more as we have our conversation, but let's start our off by talking about maybe the general impact that divorce has on a family with young children. Well, young children, they are very resilient, but they also do, um, they thrive with routine. So a routine is completely disrupted when parents divorce. The children have to go back and forth between houses usually. They don't have all of their stuff at each house. They don't have, you know, they of course don't have the other parent when they go visit the other parent. And that can be very disconcerting and disorienting for kids. If it's conflictual divorce, then there's a whole host of other issues, such as, you know, the children become very stressed when they see the parents fighting, particularly if it's loud or scary or um, volatile sorts of fighting. Right, right. And so what about how parents can break the news to their kids, their young children, that they are getting divorced? What what can you say about that? Well, that's a very important time for kids. They are going to hear a statement that even if even if older children may have known it was coming or may have heard the parents threatening to divorce each other, still kids just assume that it's not going to happen. You know, and so when they hear that it's actually a divorce, they everything changes at the moment that all kids remember and it's important to keep your focus on the fact that the kids are remembering everything that's happening and however you talk about the divorce right then is going to set a precedent for how the children view the divorce so i mean it's okay to be sad when you're telling the kids but it would be good not to be angry not to be yelling at each other not to have one parent storm out of the house it's good to have both parents sit down together and and talk about whatever they know is happening, such as living arrangements or what's going to remain the same. And it's also good for both parents to emphasize how much they love their children and that the children are the best part of the marriage and the marriage isn't working, but the parents and the children will remain close no matter how often or in you know what home they see each other. Right. Now, you just mentioned about not being angry um, and not storming off. And I imagine ideally people would love to do that, but sometimes you can't avoid it. What can you do to help foster um, an open dialogue and and keep that open dialogue where you can speak in a civilized way? And I imagine there is a lot of anger. And how do you challenge, how do you uh, channel that effectively? Well, you mean between the parents, between the co-parents? Um, I guess between the co-parents and maybe the parents and the children as might be appropriate. Well, I think, you know, if the co-parents are trying to sit down with each other and the kids, 
it has to be a time-limited sort of thing. If they're at a stage in the process where they can't even stand to look at each other, then maybe they won't be able to sit down together with the kids. It's always better for the children to hear a calm, you know, statement about the divorce than to have both parents together, but things escalate and them screaming at the other that that is all their fault and all that sort of thing. So if co-parents can plan to sit down together in a time-limited way to give the announcement to the kids, then that's great. But if they try to talk to each other and there's just going to be no way to do that, then they should probably do it separately. Okay. So what techniques can you recommend um, that families and parents can use to keep uh, a healthy dialogue going? Well, certainly empathy with the children and understanding where they're coming from and what their reaction likely is upon hearing about their parents' divorce. Um, trying to minimize the amount of openly expressed anger and resentment between the parents and about the parents. It's important to watch how parents talk about each other when the other parent isn't there to make sure that you're not bad-mouthing the other partner because then the kids are going to suffer in between. Really, it's just an idea of trying to be open, honest, and not attacking you know, and those things are easier said than done. But if if you prioritize your children's mental health during the divorce process, then it's always important to be clear, to be kind, and not to ever badmouth or trash talk the other parent. Right, and I imagine that might be hard because there might be temptation to do that. And you might even find yourself doing that, either badmouthing the other parent or in the middle of an argument and I guess there's a certain degree of self-control you'd have to have to stop where you are and say, you know what, I can't have this conversation right now. Let me go calm down and, and we'll revisit it. Is that something they could do? You mean with the kids or with each other? I mean, with each other at the point that they're getting a divorce, it's it's kind of unlikely that any techniques are going to work that they haven't already tried. It would be great for those parents to get their own individual counseling. That's certainly something or at some sometimes it's best to just get a mediator and start working through a mediator. At you know, there's there's ways to, you know, calm down, try to take a deep breath, but between conflictual divorcing couples, it's if they could have done that, they would be doing that, you know. So if they have mm-hmm. to minimize the amount of time that they're together in front of the kids, then that's usually the best option. Okay. Okay. And what can parents do to make sure that they are addressing and meeting those emotional needs that their children have as they're moving through this process of, of separation or maybe fighting and then separation and then divorce? Well, it's important to have an open dialogue with your kids, to have time during the week that your children know that you're going to sit down with them and you'll be available, maybe not necessarily to talk if the kids don't want to talk. You know, you don't want to put your kids on the spot and say, this is our time to talk. But a lot of children like knowing that there's a special time every week that they're going to, you know, go for ice cream or go play catch with their parent. And if the children have issues that they're thinking about, then those activities are often a time that the children can bring them up. With older children, you know, or children that like to talk, you can have an emotional check-in where parents sit down and ask how the kid is doing. And that's a ritual that the child can look forward to every week or so. And then every single day, there should be at least 10 minutes that you sit down with your child, either engaged in an activity or just hanging out. And all of these things, you know, lead to your child being aware that there are times that you're going to be able to be present and fully present, not on your phone and not doing something else, so that if the child does have questions or 
feelings that they want to discuss, then that's a good time to do it. And, of right. course, also thinking about empathy at all times and not just telling your child what your child should feel or don't be upset. Instead, saying things like, I understand if you're upset or you seem upset, and that makes sense. So empathy and validation are really good communication strategies to use during the time that you do spend with your child. Right. What about um, support for kids? That I've heard of a, a group called Banana Splits where other children of divorced parents get together. What do you think of things like that? Yeah, or that's certainly good direct, people. Or direct one-on-one therapy uh, with a counselor. Yeah, if a child wants to go to therapy and if a child seems to be, you know, open to that possibility, then that's good, or a guidance counselor. And sometimes there's divorce support groups at schools, middle schools, high schools, even elementary schools. So those are all always certainly good tools if the child is open to it. There are children are, are different, you know, personalities and have different different priorities. There are a lot of children who would resent being forced to do something extra to discuss the divorce. Really, they just want to continue to do their activities. They want to engage in their life as it was before the divorce as much as possible, and that's how they cope. So any coping strategy that allows your child to continue to do well socially, academically, emotionally is fine. No one is better than the other. Right. And how do you know if your child's ready or how, and especially on this show we're focusing on on fairly young children ages five and under. So how would a parent of a child five and under kind of approach that um, matter? If a child is having trouble sleeping, if a child is having behavioral acting out issues that they didn't have before, if a child is constantly now anxious, saying that they worry about certain things or develop certain anxiety um, sort of tics or, you know, hair pulling or, or, you know, thumb sucking. A lot of children are going to have these things during the first couple of months, you know, but if it lasts beyond that, then you know that there's some sort of larger scale problem with your child acclimating to the divorce. And then it would be good to seek mental health counseling, even if it's just a therapist that talks to you about how to talk to your kid at first, because a lot of child psychotherapy is obviously parent training and is involved with the parent. So if your child is markedly acting different after a couple of months of elapsed, then then you would want to address it. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that you made, um, that a lot of times that it's the parent that gets the counseling and getting real expert advice on how to handle situations um, so you can mitigate any problems, reduce any problems that are out there, and hopefully maybe even avoid some that might pop up down down the road. Um, and you had mentioned acting out, and I think that – those are obviously because the child's acting out. You can see it, you can feel it, <laughs> et cetera. But what about a child who's kind of becomes introverted? Is could that equally be a problem? That maybe at least if a child's acting out, they're expressing and venting some anger. Um, but what about the child who's keeping that anger or that sadness, you know, deep inside? Um, I find well, children are all different. different. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. What'd you say? <laughs> well, boys oh. usually tend to externalize more. Girls tend to internalize more. If a child's becoming more extroverted or more of anything, then then that would be the time to worry because if a child has a real change from baseline, that would be what you would be looking for. 
you know, if a child used to be very friendly and now won't talk to anybody, then that would certainly be something to worry about. And a lot of kids are going to express themselves in different ways. No way is different or better. Boys just tend to do certain ways. Extroverts tend to externalize more. And kids who start out either sensitive, females mostly, or or very or introverted kids to begin with are not going to lash out that much usually. They're going to get more depressed and anxious. Right. So just because a child's not acting out doesn't mean they're not feeling it. And as you said, it's that change from baseline. If they're even more quiet than they were, then that's a flag that um, maybe there should be some intervention with a professional. Right, or if a child seems very worried all of a sudden, it doesn't have to be about the divorce. It could be just about a parent getting sick or about the child getting sick or about school performance or about a sibling or a pet. You know, if a child seems to be manifesting a lot of anxiety symptoms or physical anxiety or scratching themselves, a lot of kids have those kind of bad habits that get much worse with anxiety. You know, or if a child starts bedwetting again or or all sorts of things like that, you know, then all of those things would be indications that a child is really not dealing well with the change. But a lot of kids are going to have some kind of regression and some kind of some kind of acting out within the first few weeks or even months. It's just a matter of if if a parent really feels this is not what my child is like, this is worse, this is much worse than how my child has ever acted, then that would be the time to get counseling or to approach a professional for advice. Okay, good. And now you have a book coming out later in the summer um, on this topic. So would you remind us of what the title is and what the contents are and maybe where parents can find it if they're interested? My book is How to Talk to Your Kids About Your Divorce, and that's being published by Adams Media on September 15th. It's available for pre-order on Amazon and at Barnes & Noble. And my book really covers a lot of the things that you've been bringing up here from the very first announcement of your divorce through different ages, it goes all the way from toddler through teenager, of how children often react to divorce, how they um, how they express themselves, different sorts of ways that you can empathize and validate children at each age, different sorts of issues that arise. So, for example, you know, teenagers frequently become more promiscuous because they have less supervision, and often parents get into new relationships with a lot more physical intimacy than the children were used to seeing, and all these sorts of things can make them curious. So that's like a specific issue that happens to teenagers in the wake of a divorce at times. Then, of course, toddlers have different sorts of issues where they just don't understand what's going on. They don't physically know where each parent is, and they have to be reassured quite a lot, you know, about the whereabouts of each parent when they're with the other one. So there's all sorts of different issues that can crop up based on a child's age and developmental stage. And also I go into different personality types, birth order, you know, children with ADHD, children who are highly sensitive, children with medical issues. All sorts of children have unique challenges when faced with a stressor of the magnitude of a parental divorce. Right, right. And um, is there any... Anything else you might say about these five and under kids? Um, you mentioned toddlers, preschoolers. How much different are they? I'm assuming they probably need just as much reassurance. I mean, the younger the kid, I feel like the more reassurance they need because they're always 
they, they need physical reassurance. Those are the kids who want to cuddle more. They may be acting like a baby more. Subconsciously, a lot of children think that if they start to act like a baby again, then things go back to how they were when they were a baby or people take care of them as though they're a baby. So, you know, a lot of children regress. They start to use baby talk. They can wet the bed. They want to cuddle more. They call themselves the baby. That that happens very frequently with any kind of stressor, especially a divorce. Um, toddlers and preschoolers, they'll often ask a lot of questions about if the parent still loves them or get very anxious when the parent leaves, even if the parent's going out grocery shopping. So they're kind of, they don't understand really that, that if parents can leave each other, does that mean that the parent can leave the child? Everything's been thrown up in the air. Everything that they previously thought existed didn't. They thought that a family was just stayed the same way. Even if there was a lot of fighting, they assume very young children can't even picture it going any different way. So they are very, very shocked when one parent moves out. That's a very big, big change for all children, but especially little kids who don't understand divorce. They've never seen it on TV. They don't know what a divorced friend's life is like, like older children would. So those children have no idea what's coming next, and they can develop a lot of anxiety if parents don't address their fears. Okay, great. And now you have a lot of information on your on your website about um, divorce and other things. Why don't you talk to the audience a little bit about what you have um, on your site? Well, my site is Dr. Psych Mom, which is drpsychmom.com. And I talk about a whole whole range of different areas, including divorce, parenting, uh, relationships, communication, sex, Anything like, and I take reader questions. If anybody wants to write in a reader question, I I answer those on my website as well. And a lot of the things that I talk about that I talked about right now are on the site, and also just general ways to parent children and children of different types. So I mentioned earlier, highly sensitive kids. Those are the kids that are gonna kind of take any anything to heart, especially something as big as a divorce. So that sensitive children special needs children, including children with sensory issues or children on any autism spectrum, children that used to be called Asperger's, anything like that. There's a lot of different types of children that deal with things very differently, and it's important to realize that, yeah, children are resilient, but not all children are equally resilient, and you have to foster the sorts of um, the sorts of situations and the sorts of relationships that would allow them to maximize their resilience. Right, right. So um, we're actually coming up toward the close of our show, and we always love to end with our five fantastic facts for families. And that essentially is we ask our guests to give us their, their favorite advice to share with families. So what can you tell us about um, your, I guess your favorite advice on talking to young children about divorce, what would you say? Well, my first is to reassure the children. No amount of reassurance is too much, especially for a young child, five and under. So this is any sort of, I love you, I love you forever, you were the best thing that happened to me. Some children think as they get a little bit older that if you, that that the whole family was, was a sham you know even a five-year-old can think like what about a family if you don't love daddy how do you love me so it's 
always more reassurance is better, hugs and kisses if that's your type of child, or just verbal reassurance if that's your type of child. And the second thing would be not to put your child on the spot with too much, you know, specific pointed questions about how they're feeling all the time. Some parents try to do that with the best of intentions, but it can make a child feel like they're not giving you what you want to hear. You know, if you keep on asking a four-year-old, what are you feeling, what are you feeling, the child doesn't really even know. So it's very difficult for a child to figure out what you want. Sometimes they may just say sad because they think that you wouldn't be asking if they weren't sad. And if a child isn't really feeling sad, then it can be very invalidating and crazy-making for a child to have to figure out what you want to hear. So really the point is not to put your child on the spot. It's often best just to do an activity in parallel with your child and see what they ask about. And a third idea is you can... Wait, wait, Samantha, before we jump Mm -hmm. to number three, I had a question about your second one. And in terms of feelings, children five and under, how um, do they have that vocabulary? Can they identify, oh, I'm feeling angry or frustrated? Um, Might the adult need to help them identify and put a name to the variety of feelings they may be feeling. Yeah, and there's plenty of books and, and songs and and resources to do that, little charts with different kind of faces. But most children, I'd say by three or four, certainly know mad, you know, and they know sad, and they know happy. And those are kind of the main ones that, that they would probably be feeling. They don't really need anything more nuanced than that. But a lot of times they are just kind of feeling nothing you know they're really not feeling much or they're they're having a good day or they're just enjoying their time with you and a lot of parents really feel that that time is kind of um very precious and that every minute has to be in uh you know emotional conversation particularly when they're going through a big stressor and they do this with the best of intentions but sometimes children feel a lot of pressure then so they're not doing the right thing they're not acting the right way otherwise mommy or daddy wouldn't be asking them so often how they're feeling right right okay great so uh, let's go on to number three well number three is that there's always a lot of resources so i would always advise parents you can never do too much reading on these sorts of topics you know of course i have a book but there's plenty of other good ones There are books that kids can read. There's books that you can read with your kids about divorce. Like there's a Two Homes book by, I think, Clara Mazzarell. That's very good. Even if you have friends that are divorced that have spoken to their kids about it, you don't know exactly what they're doing. You don't need to copy, you know, what they do. Even if your own parents divorced, that was years ago. You have no idea really anything now, you know, just from having your own parents divorced. Really try to look things up read about how to deal with some of these issues, see a counselor that can advise you on how to talk to your child, go to support groups. Parents shouldn't be going through this process on their own. It's very, very isolating to get a divorce. You lose a lot of your friends. You know, you you lose mutual friends. Family starts to act kind of weird. Get as many resources and supports as you can if you're a parent going through a divorce, and that will only help you to be a better parent to your child. Right. Okay, good. And how about number four? Number four would be empathize with your child. Your child is going through a lot, and your child is going to have the same needs and concerns in a lot of ways as they do before. So a lot of parents think, oh, my God, we're going through this huge divorce. How could my child still be asking if they're going to be going to dance class? Like, doesn't my child see that I'm 
crying, you know, all the time and that I'm struggling here and that things are crazy. But a child is a child. They're going to continue to think about their own issues. So they're going to want to know if they can keep going to dance class. They're going to get excited about things at school. You should allow your child to be a child and empathize with the fact that your child is a child. And that brings me to my last one, which is I think something you mentioned from WebMD is don't become a Don't confide in your child. Don't make your child a confidant. Kind of the worst thing that people can do in a stressful situation, particularly in a divorce. And that goes along with the don't badmouth your co-parent. Don't say anything to your child that your child shouldn't have to deal with and shouldn't have to hear. Allow your child to be a child. Empathize with that your child is a child. And if your child can come out of a divorce feeling like they are still their, their same developmental age, that's a victory. A lot of children come out of a divorce feeling like they've aged 10 years, like they don't even know how to talk to their friends about such silly things as their friends worry about because they have to worry about the fact that mom and dad are screaming at each other all the time, mom can't make ends meet, they don't know if they're going to get to, you know, go to college, they don't know when they're next going to see their parent, there's a step-parent involved, all these sorts of things are very, very stressful. So the best thing that a parent can do is try to keep a child a child and not burden the child with adult sorts of confidences or divulge much about their own thoughts and feelings about the divorce. That stuff is for your therapist, for your friends, possibly for your family, but not for your child of any age, not even a teenage child. Right. Yeah, those those are really fantastic. I'm going to just recap those quickly. So one is reassuring your child, and you said you can really never do that too much. That That's really an important and wonderful thing. Um, two, not putting them on the spot with lots of questions about how they're feeling. Three, accessing resources, not going it alone. And four, being empathetic, um, seeing your child's point of view and their perspective and how they may be feeling. And number five, really um, treating your child like a child, not confiding in them, not bad-mouthing your ex, um, and letting them, as you had said, be children. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, those, that is really wonderful, and I think it's also a nice recap of the conversation we were having earlier. So um, so with that, that's uh, really all for today. I, I want to thank our guest, Dr. Samantha Rodman, who goes by Dr. Psych Mom, for lending us her time and her expertise. And I want to remind everyone that the link to her website is on the show's site on Blog Talk Radio if you'd like to find out more about her and the services that she provides for families. And I also want to thank all of our guests for tuning in. And as always, we invite everyone to email us with questions or comments or general feedback about the show. And you can do that by sending us an email to info at kidsa-to-z.com. That's info at kidsa-to-z.com. You can also follow us on the Blog Talk Radio page, and you can follow us on Facebook. Um, and that's at, what is it, uh, Kids A to Z with Dr. T., on Facebook. And that's really all for today. I am your host, Teresa Signorelli. Thanks again for listening in.